0: I was going to let you do that.
1: Oh no! Uh-uh. <laughs> you wanted me to ensure the episode by going. <sighs> Is that what the zodiac sounds like?
0: I'm assuming. <laughs> Hi, everyone. Welcome back to episode 13 of A Couple of Creeps. I am your hostess with the Mostis Morgan, and I am joined by my co-host, Colin. Say hi, Colin. Howdy. Howdy, everybody.
1: <laughs> oh, no. Is that how we started In about the, the the lady that lost an ear to scarlet fever? Was like,
0: Howdy. Howdy, everybody. I don't think it was. I don't either. Something one's in talking about the woman losing her left ear to scarlet fever, so you got to talk in the right. But I'm not wholly sure what got us there
1: no uh-uh. <laughs> <laughs> either way <laughs>
0: either way welcome back everybody i hope you guys had a fantastic week and i hope you guys and colin are ready to learn about a serial killer today
1: <sighs> yeah <laughs> it sounds so disillusioned <laughs> fuck i guess
0: yeah let me hear
1: yeah Let's- this is taken away from my dead space time Wow! <laughs> no, I am very, uh, very excited to hear about a serial killer. <laughs> don't know which one yet. No, even though we were.
0: I I don't I don't tend to tell him what I'm talking about. Yeah, you do. Sometimes, yes, because I just get excited. You can't excited. keep it to yourself. I, I can't keep a secret. That's why Christmas and holidays and <laughs> anniversaries and birthdays are awful. Because I'm like. Do you want to know what I got (laughs) you?
1: And then you want to know what you got. Yeah.
0: It's because he likes to play the game of, if you tell me what I got, I'll tell you what you got. No, I don't. He always throws that out at me, but he'll never tell me. So I could sit here and tell him, oh, I got you a signed copy of Bo Burnham's Inside, which I did. And
1: I'd be like, why would you tell me that?
0: I sold a kidney for it on the black market, (laughs) but I did. And he'd be like, oh, I'm not telling you what you got. Yeah. Or he'll be offended, and be like, "Why'd you tell me that?" No, yeah. I'm like, "You wanted me to." I
1: don't know why we're airing grievances here. <laughs> Let's go ahead and <laughs> proceed with your show. <laughs>
0: <laughs> if there's any place we can do it, it's this. <laughs> <laughs> Anywho, we're gonna talk about the Zodiac Killer today. Excellent, excellent. You we're ready? Talk
1: about Theodore Cruz.
0: Theodore Cruz.
1: Ted Cruz. Yeah, he's the Zodiac Killer.
0: No, he's not. <laughs>
1: Did you re- do you remember this? Those no. memes? No. Yeah, from like I think it's like 2016. There was just so much stuff about Ted Cruz. Oh my god, being the Zodiac that killer that makes
0: so much sense now because when I was doing my little like sneak peek snippet that mm-hmm. I posted, I think Wednesday. Did you look
1: up Zodiac killer and Ted Cruz came yes! up?
0: <laughs> yes. I I was like scrolling through pictures and I was trying. There was a lot of them that you know just said Zodiac killer and I didn't want uh-huh. that. And then there was pictures of like the sketch they'd made of the zodiac and, and killer ted and ted cruz side by side and i'm like i don't like ted cruz but why, <laughs> why the is he, fuck is he related is he the to the zodiac, zodiac killer
1: yeah it's because everybody just was like ted cruz is the zodiac killer <laughs> and so like at one of his there's a, a vine from one of his rallies i think and somebody's just holding up a sign and it says ted cruz is the zodiac killer and you see him say and he just kind of drops his mic to his side and it's kind of like a, come on man
0: so As I said, this is episode 13, The Zodiac Killer. Let's just jump right into it. Yes. The Zodiac Killer is a serial killer who operated in Northern California in the late 1960s. The case has been described as the most famous unsolved murder case in American history. The Zodiac murdered five known victims in the San Francisco Bay Area between December 1968 and October 1969, operating in rural urban and suburban settings he targeted young couples and a lone male cab driver his known attacks took place in Valencia, Valajo i probably said that something awful unincorporated and unincorporated napa valley in the city of san francisco two of his wounded victims survived the Zodiac claimed to have murdered 37 victims. He has been linked to several other cold cases, some in Southern California or outside the state. The Zodiac coined, his, coined this name in a series of taunting letters and cards that he mailed to regional newspapers in which he threatened killing sprees and bombings if they were not printed. Some of the letters included cryptograms or ciphers in which the killer claimed that he was collecting his victims as slaves for the afterlife. Of the four ciphers he produced, two remain unsolved and one was cracked only in 2020. While many theories regarding the identity of the killer have been suggested, the only suspect authorities ever publicly named was Arthur Lee Allen, a former elementary school teacher and convicted sex offender who died in 1992. Although the Zodiac ceased written communications around 1974 the unusual nature of the case led to international interest that has been sustained throughout the years the San Francisco Police Department marked the case in active in April 2004 but reopened it at some point prior to March 2007 the case also remains open in the city of Valajo, Valajo as well as in Napa and Solano counties The California Department of Justice has maintained an open case file on the Zodiac murder since 1969. So that's just a little backstory. So now we're going to read how all that transpired. Yeah.
1: Wasn't there, uh, I don't know if you got it in there. I don't want to jump ahead of you, so stop me if you did. Wasn't there somebody like very recently that has passed away that they think was the Zodiac killer?
0: Yeah, there wasn't a whole lot of information. I know what you're talking about. When I was doing my research they were talking about how they th- they think it's him, mm-hmm. but they thought they... So they collected DNA when right. all this was going on, but obviously over the years it tends to get...
1: Right, it decays.
0: Yeah. And there's no <clears throat> true way for them to really identify if it's right. him or not.
1: Yeah, to like full-heartedly prove it.
0: But they have a very strong...
1: Suspicion. Suspicion
0: that it was him.
1: Because I feel like it was his family that brought him forward after he died
0: yeah well are you talking about um it's in here there was another killer obviously in the california area um the golden state killer um joseph james d'angelo when he died his daughters or his daughter started going through his stuff in his closet and Mm -hmm. found pictures of the victims and like souvenirs from the killing Mm -hmm. and she took it to the police and said you know I think my dad was the Golden State killer.
1: So it wasn't that and I might have been conflating the two. But
0: Because they used her DNA
1: to match her
0: to match with his. Right. And it was obviously such a close match that you Right,
1: know, yeah. Well that was she was related to the killer by
0: Yeah. And then having all that stuff from her dad. But could you imagine
1: Finding out that your dad's a famous serial killer? Or yeah. infamous, I guess.
0: Yeah. you looking it up for me.
1: Yeah. Because I remember there being like, not memes, but.
0: Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Of
1: a a gentleman who was like, because the the whole thing was that he was a, like a a frequenter of Letterboxd, which is like a film review website where you can go and write in your own reviews. And he had reviewed the movie Zodiac. Zodiac. So I'm trying to figure out.
0: Was he an awful speller like the Zodiac is?
1: <laughs> right, yeah, because that was part of the thing was it was hard to decipher his stuff because it wasn't as clever as yeah, it seemed to be.
0: Like when I was writing out my notes and everything, I was reading like some of the letters that he had written. And I was just typing it out the way he had had it spelled. Mm-hmm. And my spell check was just having a heyday. Yeah. And I'm like, I know, I know that's not spelled right, but it's the way he spelled it. And I'm trying to keep it the way it is. <laughs> But yeah, I I remember something like that. But yeah. So, the first murders widely attributed to the Zodiac Killer were the shootings of high school students Betty Lou Jensen and David Arthur Faraday on December twentieth, nineteen sixty eight, on Lake Herman Road, just inside the city limits of B- of Benicia. The couple were on their first date. That's all, their first date, and
1: <laughs> this happened. <laughs> then they run into the fucking Zodiac.
0: What are what are the odds? The couple were on their first date and planned to attend a Christmas concert at Hogan High School, about three blocks from Jensen's home. They visited a friend before stopping at a local restaurant and driving out on Lake Herman Road, a popular area for young couples. At about 10.15 p.m., Faraday
1: parked
0: (laughs) parked his mother's Rambler in a gravel turnout, which was a well-known lover's lane. Shortly after 11 p.m., their bodies were found by Stella Borge, who lived nearby. The Solano County Sheriff's Department investigated the crime, but no leads developed. Using available forensic data, Robert Graysmith later speculated in his 1976 account that another car pulled into the turnout just prior to 11 p.m. and parked beside the couple. The killer may have exited the second car and walked towards the Rambler, possibly ordering the couple out of it. It appeared that Jensen had exited the car first, but then Fireday was halfway out. The killer shot him in the head, and the killer shot Jensen five times in the back as she fled. Her body was found 28 feet from the car. The killer drove off after this. Jesus. (laughs) Happy first day. Yeah,
1: exactly. Congrats, you young lovebirds.
0: The next killings were just before midnight on July 4th, 1969. Darlene Farron and Michael megu I probably pronounced that last name something awful, Magoo drove into the Blue Rock Springs Park in Valajo v- v- and, and parked. It is four miles from the Lake Herman Road murder site where the couple sat in Farron's car. A second car drove into the lot and parked alongside them but almost immediately drove away. Returning about 10 minutes later, the second car parked behind them. The driver of the second car exited and approached the passenger side door of Farron's car carrying a flashlight and a 9 millimeter The killer directed the flashlight into Megu's and Farron's eyes before shooting at them, firing five times. Both victims were hit and several bullets passed through Megu and into Farron. The killer walked away from the car but returned and shot each victim twice more before driving off. On July 5, 1969, at 12.40 a.m., a man phoned the Valajo Police Department to report and claim responsibility for the attack. The caller also took credit for the murders of Jensen and Faraday six and a half months earlier. Police traced the call to a phone booth at a gas station at Springs Road in Tulumain, located about three lengths of a mile from Farron's home and a few blocks from the Valajo Police Department. Farron was pronounced dead at the hospital, Megu survived the attack despite being shot in the face, neck, and chest. Megu distra- described the attacker as a 26 to 30-year-old, 195 to 200-pound or possibly even more, 5-foot-8-inch white male with short, light brown hair. Short, light brown, curly hair.
1: And this was in what year?
0: 1969.
1: So they would have been born in 39? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Roughly.
0: Yeah. On August 1st, 1969, three letters purportedly prepared by the police were received at the Vallejo Times-Herald, the San Francisco Chronicle, and the San Francisco Examiner. The nearly identical letters subsequently prescribed by psychiatrists to have been written by someone you would expect to be brooding and isolated took credit for the shootings at Lake Herman Road and Blue Rock Springs. Each letter also included one-third of a 408-syllable cryptogram which the killer claimed contained his identity. The killer demanded that they be printed on each paper's front page or he would cruise around all weekend killing lone people in the night, then move on to kill again until I end up with a dozen people over the weekend. The Chronicle published its third of the cryptogram on page four of the next day's edition. An article printed alongside the code quoted Valajo Police Police Chief Jack E. Stiltz as saying, We're not satisfied that the letter was written by the murderer, requested the writer to send a second letter with more facts to prove his identity. Threatened murders did not happen, and all three parts of the cryptogram were eventually published. So this is what the letter said. Yeah. I like killing people because it is so much fun. It is more fun than killing wild game in the forest because man is the most dangerous animal of all to kill. Something gives me the most thrilling experience. It is even better than getting your rocks off with a girl. The best part of it is that when I die, I will be reborn in paradise and all that I have, and all that I have killed, will become my slaves. I will not give you my name because you will try to slow down or stop my collecting of slaves for my afterlife. And then it's followed by, you know, the some of the cryptogram. Yeah, it's just really just random letters. Mm-hmm. So that was the letter that was sent to all of them, mm-hmm. and then at the end of it, they all got different parts of the cryptogram. So. On August 7th, 1969, the San Francisco Examiner received a letter with the salutation, Dear Editor, this is the Zodiac speaking. This was the first time the killer had used this name for identification. The letter was a response to Chief Stilt's request for more details that would prove he had killed Faraday, Jensen, and Farron. In it, the Zodiac included details about the murders that had not yet been released to the public. He also said that when the police cracked his code, they will have me. And on August 8th, 1969, Donald and Betty Hardin of Salinas, California cracked the four... Crapped? cracked, Cracked? <laughs> California cracked the 408 symbol cryptogram. On September 27th, 1969, Pacific Union College students Brian Hartnell and Cecilia Shepard were picnicking at Lake Berryessa on a small island connected by a sand spit to Twin Oak Ridge. A white man about five foot 11, weighing more than 170 pounds, approached them wearing a black exe- executioner's type hood with clip-on sunglasses over the eye holes and a bib-like device on his chest that had a white 3x3-inch three three cross-circle symbol on it. He approached them with a gun, which Hartnell believed to be a .45.
1: Yeah, .45 caliber.
0: The hooded man claimed to be an escaped convict from a jail with a two-word name, either Colorado or Montana, A police officer later inferred that the man had been referring to a jail in Deer Lodge, Montana where he had killed a guard and subsequently stolen a car. He said that he needed their car and money to travel to Mexico because the stolen vehicle was too hot. The killer brought pre-cut links of plastic clothesline and told Shepard to tie up Hartnell before he tied her up. The killer checked and tightened Hartnell's bonds after discovering that Shepard had bound Hartnell's hands loosely. Hartnell initially believed this event to be a bizarre robbery, but the man drew a knife and stabbed them both repeatedly. Hartnell suffered six and Shepherd, ten wounds in the process. The killer hiked 500 yards up to the Knoxville Road, drew the cross-circle symbol on Hartnell's car door with a black felt-tip pen, and wrote beneath it, "Valaho 122868-7469, September 27th, 69 6:30 by knife at 7:40 p.m. The killer, card, the killer called the Napa County Sheriff's Office from a pay telephone to report this latest crime. The caller first stated to the operator that he wished to report a murder, no, a double murder, before saying that he committed the crime. KVON radio reporter Pat Stanley found the phone still off the hook a few minutes later at the Napa Car Wash on Main Street in Napa. It was a few blocks from the sheriff's office and 27 miles from the crime scene. Detectives lifted a still wet palm print from the telephone, but were never able to match it to any suspect. After hearing the victim screams for help, a man and his son fishing in a nearby cove discovered the couple and got help by contacting park rangers. Napa County Sheriff's deputies... Dave Collins, and Ray Land were the first law enforcement officers to arrive at the crime scene. Shepard was conscious when Collins arrived and provided him with a detailed description of the attacker. Hartnell and Shepard were taken to Queen of the Valley Hospital in Napa by ambulance. Shepard lapsed into a coma during transport, never regained consciousness, and died two days later. Hartnell survived to recount his tale to the press. Napa County Detective Ken Narlow, who was assigned to the case from the onset worked on solving the crime until his retirement from the department in 1987. Two weeks later, on October 11, 1969, a white male passenger entered the cab driven by Paul Stein at the intersection of Mason and Gary Streets, one block west from Union Square in San Francisco, requesting to be requesting to be driven to Washington and Maple Streets in Presidio Heights. For reasons unknown, Stein drove one block past Maple to Cherry Street. The passenger shot Stein once in the head with a 9mm handgun, took the driver's wallet and car keys, and tore away a section of his blood-stained shirt tail. Three teenagers across the street at 9.55pm saw the incident and phoned the police while the crime was in progress. They observed a man wiping the car down before walking toward the Procedo one block to the north. Two blocks from the crime scene, patrol officers Don Fuki and Eric Zelms responding responding to the call, observed a white man walking along the sidewalk east on Jackson Street and stepping onto a stairwell leading up to the front yard of one of the homes on the north side of the street. This encounter lasted only five to ten seconds. Folk estimated the white male pedestrian to be thirty-five to forty-five years old, five foot ten with a crew cut similar to, but slightly older than the description provided by the teenagers who observed the killer in and out of Stein's cab. The teenagers described the suspect to be 25 to 30 years old, with a crew cut and standing approximately 5 to 8 inches to 5 to 9 inches tall. However, the police radio dispatcher had alerted officers to look out for a black suspect, so Fook and Zelms drove past the, per- the perpetrator without stopping. The mix-up in descriptions remains unexplained. A search ensued, but no suspects were found. This was the last officially confirmed murder by the Zodiac killer. The Stein murder was initially to believe to be a routine robbery that had escalated into homicidal violence. However, on October 13th, the San Francisco Chronicle received a new letter from Zodiac that claimed credit for the killing and contained a torn section of Stein's bloody shirt to prove this fact. The three teen witnesses worked with a police artist to prepare a composite sketch of Stein's killer. A few days later, this police artist returned working with the witnesses to prepare a second composite sketch. Detectives Bill Armstrong and Dave Tucci were assigned to the case. The San Francisco Police Department investigated an estimated 2,500 suspects over a period of years. Jesus. Yeah. On October 14, 1969... The Chronicle received another letter from the Zodiac, this time containing a swatch of Paul Stein's shirt tell as proof he was the killer. It also included a threat about killing school children on a school bus. To do this to do this? To do this. To do this. To do this, Zodiac wrote, Just shoot out the front tire and then pick off the kitties as they come bouncing out. At two PM on october twentieth, nineteen sixty nine, someone claiming to be the Zodiac called the Oakland Police Department demanding that one of two prominent lawyers, F. Lee Bailey or Melvin Belly, appear on AM San Francisco to a talk show on KGO-TV hosted by Jim Dunbar. Bailey was not available, but Belly did appear on the show. Dunbar appealed to viewers to keep the lines open. Someone claiming to be the Zodiac called several times, and Belly asked the caller for a less ominous name, and the caller picked Sam. The caller said that he would not reveal his true identity as he was afraid of being sent to the gas chamber, which was then California's capital punishment right. method. Belly arranged a rendezvous to meet the caller outside a shop on Mission Street in Daly, in Daly City. I don't know why I'm getting an accent all of a sudden. Mm,
1: Daly City.
0: On Mission Street in Daly City, but no one arrived. The call was later traced back to a patient in a mental institution And investigators concluded that the man was not the Zodiac.
1: Right. Yeah, it was a copycat. Or, Mm -hmm. yeah, and I'm sure you saw a ton of that. I mean, that last killing with the um,
0: the cab cab driver driver
1: might not even been the Zodiac. Yeah. Since it's kind of outside of his yeah normal operating. Because
0: unfortunately,
1: because everything was publicized.
0: Yeah, and you know there are particular serial killers. I'll probably talk about more of them, but. Like, um, Jeffrey Dahmer mm-hmm. or, um, oh no, he just left me. He was really handsome. Uh, oh my God. He had crooked teeth and that's how yeah. they caught him. You know who I'm talking yes. about, don't you? <laughs> Cause that's how they got him was the bite mark. Cause his, I think it's his bottom, his bottom teeth are. Ted Bundy. Ted Bundy. Yes. Son of a bitch. God, you would think it was a hard name.
1: Yeah, I know. I just completely, it's one of those where. You know, I could have told you his name any time of the day until you asked me.
0: Yeah. But, you know, killers like Ted Bundy, Jeffrey Dahmer, and, you know, there's quite a few other ones. Are famous, which is awful to say. Yeah. But that's how I end up with, unfortunately, people like me who find it fascinating. Mm Mm-hmm. And, you know, you get copycats who want that infamy. Right. Which they ran into a lot. Yeah,
1: you want that 15 seconds of fame, so... Mm -hmm. All Sam the Zodiac,
0: yeah. Um,
1: and because like, were the letters publicized too? Is that yeah? And so anybody can copy his way of writing and his cryptograms and things like that. They
0: they didn't want to put them in the newspaper, but they didn't want to not do it. And then him do what he was starting to do. You know, if he had, if they had not put out there, and he killed a bunch of kids on a school bus, right? You know, (laughs) then you. If I was in their situation, I would do the same thing.
1: Right. Yeah, you don't want to call us bluff.
0: And then, you know, this happened. On November 8th, 1969, the Zodiac mailed a card with another cryptogram containing, consisting of 340 characters. The cipher dubbed Z340 remained unsolved for over 51 years. On December 5th, 2020, it was deciphered by an international team of private citizens, including American software engineer David Ornchak,
1: okay.
0: Australian mathematician Sam Blake and Belgian programmer Jarl Van Eyck, and the decrypted message the Zodiac denied being the Sam, who spoke when A.M. San Francisco, explained that he was not afraid of the gas chamber because it will send me to paradise all the sooner. Right. The team submitted their findings to the FBI, which verified the discovery. The FBI stated that the, that the decoded, me, decoded message gave no further clues to the identity of the Zodiac. Right. On December 9th, 1969, the Zodiac mailed a seven-page letter stating that two policemen stopped and actually spoke with him three minutes after he shot Stein. Excerpts from the letter were, were published in the Chronicle on November 12th, including the Zodiac's claim that same day. Officer Don Fuki wrote a memo explaining the, what had happened on the night of Stein's murder. On December 20th, 1969, exactly one year after the murders of David Faraday and Betty Lou Jensen, the Zodiac mailed a letter to Belly that included a, another swatch of Stein's shirt. The Zodiac said that he wanted Belly to help him. On the night of March 22nd, 1970, Kathleen Johns was driving from San Bernardo to Potuma. Pat- to visit her mother. She was seven months pregnant and had her 10-month-old daughter beside her. While heading west on Highway 132 near Modesto, a car behind her began honking its horn and flashing its headlights. She pulled off the road and stopped. The man in the car parked behind her approached her car, stated that he observed that her right rear wheel was wobbling, and offered to tighten the lug nuts. After finishing his work, the man drove off Yet when Johns pulled forward to reenter the highway, the wheel almost immediately came off the car. The man returned, offering to drive her to the nearest gas station for help. She and her daughter climbed into his car. During the ride, the car passed several service stations, but the man did not stop. For about 90 minutes, he drove back and forth around the back roads near Tracy. When Johns asked why he was not stopping, he would change the subject. When the driver finally stopped at an intersection, Johns jumped out with her daughter and hid in a field. The driver searched for her using a flashlight telling her that he would not hurt her before eventually giving up. Unable to find her, he got back into the car and drove off. Johns hitched a ride to the police station in Patterson. When Johns gave her statement to the sergeant on duty, she noticed a police composite sketch of Paul Stein's killer and recognized him as a man who had abducted her and her child fearing that he might return to kill them all the sergeant had John's wait in the dark at nearby Mills restaurant when her car was found it had been gutted and torched most accounts say that the man threatened to kill Johns and her daughter while driving them around but at least one police officer one but at least one police report disputes that John's account to Paul Avery of the Chronicle includes that her abductor left his car and searched for her in the dark with a flashlight However, in one report she made to the police, she stated that he did not leave the car. So she has made like... She's
1: changing her story. Yeah, she's
0: made like two conflicting... Reports. On March 22, 1971, a postcard to the Chronicle addressed to Paul Averly, and believed to be from the Zodiac, appeared to claim responsibility for the disappearance of Donna Lass on September 6, 1970, made from a collage of advertisements and magazine lettering, It featured a scene from an advertisement for Forest Pines condominiums in the Tex Sierra Club. Saw Victim 12 peek through the pines, past Lake Tahoe areas, and around in the snow. The Zodiac's cross-circle symbol was in both the place of the usual return address and the lower right section of the front face of the postcard. Last was a nurse at the Sahara Tahoe Hotel and Casino, she worked until about 2 a.m. on September 6, 1970, treating her last patient at 1.40 a.m. Later that same day, both Las, Lass' employer and her landlord received phone calls from an unknown male falsely claiming that Lass had left town because of a family emergency. Lass was never found. What appeared to be a gravesite was discovered near the Claire Tappan Lodge in Northern California on Sierra Club property. No evidence has been, re- has been uncovered to definitely connect the last disappearance with the Zodiac killer. There is no consensus on the number of people Zodiac attacked or the years in which the attacks took place. The attacks on Kathleen Johns and Donna Lass, uh, if attributable to Zodiac, suggest a new M.O. Yeah. The targets would be individual females rather than couples, and they would be adup- abducted. Many of the Santa Rosa hitchhiker murders exhibit these themes and have long been considered possible Zodiac crimes. The strangulation of some of these victims is in line with the Zodiac's October 1970 claim to kill by rope. In 1986, Robert Graysmith published a list of 49 confirmed impossible Zodiac targets. This includes some of the Santa Rosa hitchhiker murder victims. I didn't put put anything in there because that might be a story for another day. (laughs)
1: Yeah, and it's a case of maybe his MO changed because it was safer to do it that way. Yeah. Or, he was worried about getting caught, so he changed it up. Yeah, we
0: need to change it up a little bit. Zodiac continued to communicate with authorities for the remainder of 1970 via letters and greeting cards to the press. In a letter postmarked April 20th, 1970, the Zodiac wrote, My name is blank, followed by a 13-character cipher that has not been solved to this day. The Zodiac went on to state that he was not responsible for the recent bombing of a police station in San Francisco. He's referring to the February 18, 1970 death of Sergeant Brian McDonnell two days after the bombing at Park Station in Golden Gate Park, but added there is more glory to killing a cop than a Sid because a cop can shoot back. The letter included a diagram of a bomb that Zodiac claimed that he would use to blow up a school bus. At the bottom of the diagram, he wrote, and it says circle cross... Mm -hmm. Then equals 10, comma, SFPD equals zero.
1: Points. Mm Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Zodiac sent a greeting card postmarked April 28, 1970 to the Chronicle. Written on the card was, I hope you enjoy yourselves when I have my blast. Followed by the Zodiac's cross-circle signature. On the back of the card, the Zodiac threatened to use the bus bomb soon unless the newspaper published the full details that he had written. He also wanted to... Start seeing people wearing some nice zodiac buttons. He's
1: trying, trying he wants to generate some merch out there. Yeah.
0: And a letter postmarked June 26, 1970, the Zodiac stated that he was upset that he did not see people wearing zodiac buttons. He wrote, "I shoot a man sitting in a parked car with a thirty-eight. The Zodiac was possibly referring to the murder of 25-year-old Sergeant Richard Radith, one week earlier, at 5:25. A. M. on June 19, Radich was ri- riding a parking ticket in a squad car when an assailant unrelated to the traffic violation shot him in the head with a 38 caliber caliber pistol through the closed driver's side window. Radich died 15 hours later. The SFPD denies that Zodiac was involved. The murder remains unsolved. Included with the letter was a Phillips 66 road map of the San Francisco Bay Area. In the image of Mount Diablo, the Zodiac had drawn a cross-circle similar to those from previous correspondence. At the top of the cross-circle, he placed a zero, a three, six, and a nine. The accompanying instructions stated that the zero was to be set to mag N. The letter also included a 32-letter cipher that the killer claimed would, in conjunction with the code, lead to the location of a bomb that he had buried and set to detonate in the fall. The cipher was never decoded, and the alleged bomb was never located. The killer signed the note with his cross-circle 12, SFPD, 0. In a letter to the Chronicle postmarked July 24, 1970, the Zodiac took credit for Kathleen John's abduction four, ma- four months after the incident. In the July 26, 1970 letter, the Zodiac paraphrases song from the Mikado, adding his own lyrics about making a list of the ways in which he planned to torture his slaves in paradise. The letter was signed with a large, exaggerated cross-circle symbol and a new score of 13, SFPD 0. A final note at the bottom of the the letter stated, P.S. The Mount Diablo code concerns radiance plus pound sign, inches along the radiance. In 1981, a close examination of the radian hemp by Zodiac researcher Gareth Penn led to the discovery that a radian angle, when placed over the map per Zodiac's instructions, pointed to the locations of two Zodiac attacks. On October 7, 1970, the Chronicle received a 3 by 5 inch card signed by the Zodiac with the cross-circle um, reportedly drawn with blood. The card's message was formed by pasting words and letters from an edition of the Chronicle, and 13 holes were punched across the card. Inspectors Armstrong and Tucci agreed that it was highly probable that the card had been sent by the Zodiac. Yeah. On October 27, 1970, Chronicle reporter Paul Avery, who had been covering the Zodiac case, received a Halloween card with a letter Z and the Zodiac's cross-circle symbol, Handwritten inside the card was a note, Peekaboo, you are doomed. <laughs> Happy Halloween. Jesus, yeah. <laughs> the threat was taken seriously mm-hmm. and was the subject of a front page story in the Chronicle. Soon after receiving the letter, Avery received an anonymous letter alerting him to the similarities between the Zodiac's activities and the unsolved murder of Sherry Jo Bates, which had occurred four years earlier at the City College in Riverside in the greater Los Angeles area. More than 400 miles south of San Francisco, Avery reported his findings in the Chronicle on November 16, 1970. After the Lake Tahoe car, the Zodiac remained silent for nearly three years. The Chronicle then received a letter from the Zodiac postmarked January 29, 1974, praising The Exorcist as the best satirical comedy that I have ever seen. The letter included a snippet of verse from the Mikado and an unusual symbol at the bottom that has remained unexplained by researchers, and the Zodiac concluded the letter with a new score, MI equals 37, SFPD equals 0. Jesus. A further communication sent by the police to members of the news media, some contained similar characteristics of previous Zodiac writings. The Chronicle received a letter postmarked February 14, 1974, informing the editor that the initials of the Symbianese Liberation Army spelled out an Old Norse word meaning kill. However, the handwriting was not authenticated as the Zodiacs. A letter to the Chronicle postmarked May 8, 1974, featured a complaint that the movie Badlands was murder glorification and asked the paper to cut its advertisement, signed only as citizen. The handwriting tone and surface irony were all similar to earlier Zodiac communications. The Chronicle subsequently received an anonymous letter postmarked July 8, 1974, complaining of their publishing the writings of the anti-feminist columnist Marco Spinelli. The letter was signed, The Red Phantom, Red with Rage. The Zodiac's authorship of the letter is debated.
1: Oh. on to the last on
0: to the last page a letter dated april 24th, 1974 was initially deemed authentic but declared a hoax less than 3 months later by three experts dave tucci the sfpd homicide detective who had worked the case since the stein murder was thought to have forged the letter author armstead Maupin believed the letter piece believed the letter to be similar to fanmel that praised the work of Tucci in the investigation, which he received in 1976. He believed both letters were written by Tucci while he admitted to writing the fan mail. Tucci denied forging the Zodiac letter and was eventually cleared of any charges. The authenticity of this letter remains unverified. In April 2004, the SFPD marked the case inactive, citing caseload pressure and resource demands, effectively closing the case. However... They reopened their case sometime before March 2007. The cases opened in Napa County and in the city of Riverside. On March 3, 2007, an American Greetings Christmas card sent to the Chronicle postmarked 1990 in Eureka was rediscovered in their photo files by editorial assistant Daniel King. The letter was handed over to the Valajo police. Inside the envelope with the card was a photocopy of two U.S. postal keys on a magnet keychain. The handwriting on the envelope resembles Zodiac's print, but was declared inauthentic by forensic document examiner Lloyd Cunningham. However, not all Zodiac experts agree with Cunningham's analysis. There is no return address on the envelope, nor is his cross-circle signature to be found. The card itself is unmarked. The Chronicle turned over all the material to the Valajo Police Department for further analysis. In May 2018, the Valajo Police Department announced their intention to attempt to collect the Zodiac Killer's DNA from the back of the stamps he used during his correspondence. The analysis by a private laboratory was expected to check the DNA against GED match. It was hoped the Zodiac Killer may be caught in a similar fashion to the Golden State Killer, Joseph James D'Angelo. Right. In May 2018, a Valajo police detective said the results were expected in several weeks. However, as of January 2023, no results have been reported.
1: Yeah. So I found what I was talking about. Yeah. And it's some independent group called the Case Breakers, who are apparently like 40 um, journalists and ex-cops and investigators and things like that that all claim to have discovered that um I just lost the guy's name in the, in the list here, Gary Francis post. But so they're like super confident that they found a bunch of evidence. Yeah. In his house and things like that. And apparently like he had a, a, a dark room for photos and things like that, that they said would like be on the shadow of a doubt. But the police, uh, so like the FBI in San Francisco like on their official Twitter tweeted the FBI's investigation into the Zodiac killer remains open and unsolved due to the ongoing nature of the investigation and out of respect for the victims and their families. We will not be providing further comment at this time. And that was on October 7th of 2021, which wasn't too long after yeah. like the case breakers are basically like, yeah. yeah, we found him So the FBI is basically like, I, no, I don't think they did.
0: And there's always been a conspiracy theory with the Zodiac that the police know who he is, mm-hmm. but he's, you know, Someone famous, or his parents are someone famous.
1: Ted Ted Cruz. Cruz.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, there's always been speculation that that's why they've never been able to find him. Yeah. They know who he he is. is. They just can't. They just can't do anything about it. Yeah. You know, it's one of those things where sometimes money has power.
1: I I do think um, that this was the gentleman who... Uh, he had done letterbox reviews and things like that and so that was one of the things that they that made them go maybe because he in, in that letter from 1970 made like basically it was like I loved the movie The Exorcist yeah you know what I mean and it's like so is, is the Zodiac a cinephile <laughs> yeah. you know yeah and and that'd be just a weird quirk but and then yeah and that Gary Francis Post had done a letterbox review of the Zodiac from 2007 <laughs> it's like, if this guy is the Zodiac killer.
0: And he's just out and here. And he's out
1: here watching his own movie and being like.
0: Could have done better. Right, yeah. I did this. You didn't do that.
1: Yeah. But so the police and the FBI don't think that that was him.
0: Yeah. I'm, I'm telling you, it's... <laughs> the for as long as it's been going on and for as many conflicting. California's a big state. Right. But eventually, you're going to run into somebody you know, someone's going to see something. You might not be as slick as you think you are. So what if he is someone whose family is powerful and the police are like, he's just being a moody boy.
1: Or alternatively, it was in the 60s. They didn't have great, you know, investi- investigative, you know, yeah, prowess. And then like you're saying there. Somebody from Riverside had to be like, "Oh hey, this kind of sounds like a killing from four years ago, yeah, you know, and that's still a problem today is that police stations don't don't, don't communicate with each no, other no. so they don't know what all this guy did or didn't do yeah you know and so it gets to a point of you don't know what evidence to filter out they might not even have you know they might have a whole haystack and not even know if they're looking for a needle, yeah, you know
0: yeah, but you know i I hope you guys enjoyed my research on the zodiac killer I yeah. had I had It's it's a shame to say I had fun doing it, but (laughs) it it's something I'm interested in, and obviously my fans who are listening to this like the same type of things that I do.
1: You're a monster. (laughs) Whoa!
0: (laughs) You made me lose my train of thought, Colin. You're fine. But I hope you guys enjoyed today's episode. Please send me an email at. The letter A, a couple O oh, creeps at gmail.com and give me your thoughts. You know, who do you think he is? You know, why do you think it was, his Ted, kid, Cruz. It was Ted Cruz? <laughs> why do you think it was Ted Cruz or someone famous or maybe, you know, in the 60s, the police investigative team, no offense, just didn't know what to do with what yeah. was happening. Or was
1: it Francis Gary post?
0: Yeah. Or was it Francis Gary post? Who's a cinephile, you yeah. know, please give me an email. I want to hear your thoughts and I hope you enjoyed today's episode. And I can't wait to hear what you have to say. So I hope you guys have a great week and I will see you again next week. Colin's over here doing like the whip.
1: whip, Wait,
0: <laughs> I hope you guys have a great weekend and I'll see you next week. Stay creepy. My friends.